0: At progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Okay, so I have a friend, a super good brother. His name is Erlon Woods. You may have heard him on this show telling stories from inside San Quentin State Penitentiary for the amazing podcast Ear Hustle. And even there, even in prison, this guy, he's making big moves. And I start hearing rumors, whispers back and forth that Erlon has applied to the governor of California, requesting clemency from his 31 years to life prison sentence for attempted robbery. This is a super, super long shot. When someone does something like that, you don't talk about it. You don't inquire. That might jinx it. You just cross your fingers and hope that lightning strikes. Well, after months of hopes and prayers and pacing and please, 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 lightning strikes. California Governor Jerry Brown, in one of his finest acts, in one of his last acts as governor, he signs off on Erlon's petition and commutes Erlon's sentence. And suddenly, suddenly it is all over, but the paperwork, then even that is over. At 47 years of age, after having served over 20 years, Erlon walks out of San Quentin a free man. Joy, 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 joy. Now, even in prison, Erlon already makes everyone he speaks to feel good because that's just how he is. But now, now, that spirit within him, it's infectious. You can't help but smile. Erlon shows up at Snap Studios right around lunchtime. hey, what you want to eat? He's like, man, I don't know. Well, I have a plan, because not too far from here is a Brazilian barbecue, my favorite, and it's awesome. We go to the spot. I try to warn him that the salad is for suckers, but he doesn't listen. Then the gauchos, I call them gauchos, they start to stop by the table every couple of minutes to slice us off a piece of tenderloin, or pork ribs, top sirloin, It's delicious Roasted pork Fabulous And enjoying this meal With Erlon Who's been in prison For 20 years And is finally out With this crazy Smile on his face Out with his people Out where he belongs Roast chicken Beef ribs T-bone More More Until finally Finally We have to tap out And Lord You can't help but grin You can't help but be excited, but be thankful because sometimes, even in our darkest days, sometimes the universe does the right thing. Now, today, on a very special snap judgment, we're going to shine a light on one of my favorite podcasts, Ear Hustle. With the amazing team of Erlon Woods, Nigel Poor, and their newest producer to bring you stories of people walking out of their cage. We call it Kissing the Concrete. My name is Ben Washington. Like I told Erlon, remember the salad is for suckers when you're listening listen to Snap Judgment. Is out now, everybody at Snap. We're so happy for him. And while he's going through his own reentry process, coming back into society, he's now documenting the stories of other formerly incarcerated individuals as they leave prison and the challenges they face. With Erlon on the outside, a gentleman by the name of Rasan New York Thomas, he's holding on the mic from inside San Quentin. Together along with Nigel Poor, We're going to take us on a journey of two men as they transition from prison back into society. We begin with a young man during his final week of incarceration. Listeners should note that this episode does deal with a story from a prison context. And as such, sensitive listeners should be advised.
1: My name is Tevin Fortnette, a.k.a. Cuddy. Tuesday, um, I'm getting released from San Quentin State Prison after seven and a half years, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm tired. <laughs> they didn't with me. They didn't with my 20s. I'm, I'm
2: tired. Cuddy is 28 years old. He's just finishing a sentence for robbery and home invasion. He's got long, thin dreads. He's about six foot three, and he's known in San Quentin for his basketball skills.
3: Yeah, Cuddy is raw. He's the starting forward for the San Quentin Warriors.
2: Does he have one of those basketball nicknames?
3: Yeah, they call him Swaggy Smooth because he has a nice 12-foot jumper.
2: That is a fun name to say.
3: <laughs> Swaggy Smooth. And
2: you know what else? I hear he's a pretty good rapper. Yes, he is. We heard him at the top of the podcast.
1: Guess life ain't what I thought it'd be. So I smoke to take all my pain away. So understand me when I say, pardon me. My cousin died from
2: mental. When we interviewed Cuddy, he was really, I mean, really excited about getting out.
1: Lately at night, I've been just thinking about like, next week, I'm gonna be home. Like, damn, I wanna go to sleep, but now I gotta study this DMV book. Oh, I gotta go to sleep, but now I gotta plot out some more stuff that I wanna do. I gotta keep adding to the bucket list. I gotta keep adding to fragrances that I wanna wear, stuff, everything. Cause now I'm free, so you know, it's like, I get to do whatever I wanna do. The first day, he had his whole script down pat. Belgian waffles with, with whipped cream on top, sliced strawberries, and uh, strawberry syrup. I need it. With a side of orange juice, I need that. I ain't had that since
3: I was like 18. And Cuddy was not planning on eating those waffles alone.
2: No, he wasn't. Because Cuddy got married when he was in prison.
3: This is my
1: first time actually on the streets as a husband. This is actually my first time just going on a date, breakfast date or something. So it's going to be like, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm juiced about that. Okay, so the first day... Waffles
3: with his wife.
1: Second day, that's all business. That's when I go get my license, my uh, social security card. I go register for school. I go register for the union. I got everything just set up. Now the third day, I really want to hit the studio or something. That's what my my goal is. I got to go work out, so I got to go hit the
3: gym. I got to go hoop.
2: So Cuddy's got his first days on the outside all mapped out
3: absolutely that's what guys in prison think about a lot no doubt yeah we want to think about who we're gonna hang out with who's gonna be meeting us out there what, what, what we're gonna eat yeah yes. what we're gonna wear mm, everything all that good stuff so Naj, me and co-producer Yaya went out to the yard to find out what guys out there would say they were gonna do when they get out
4: I want to go parasailing oh
1: I would love to get my knees and we go to an amusement park hug my mom hug my dad and probably bawl out crying for a little while. Just let it all out. Get my wife over here from England, massage her throat with my
5: tongue. <laughs> I'm gonna take my girl and my grandkids up to a place called You Saw, and I go camping for a whole week. Hear the crickets chirping and the frogs. And
3: I want to take all my boys, man, that I grew up with, to the paintball range. Wet t-shirt contest, dancing contest. I'm actually wanting to go see the symphony. I've never experienced any classical music,
6: and I want to go experience that. I really want to go see the uh, point of no return in Africa, the the caves the, where they the slaves right before they was put on the boat, and get a sense of what that was
3: like. I want to go uh, to my mother and father's uh, grave and take them flowers, let them know that. I'm out, and I love them, and I miss them.
2: What are the three things that you're looking forward to the most after you get out?
3: Okay, three things I'm looking forward to. This is Ronnie Young. We spoke to him
5: right before he left the queue. Showering alone. (laughs) And not standing in line for the shower, or going to brush your teeth and having to smell someone else on the toilet. Oh my god, that's so huge. (laughs) Um, Being able to open a refrigerator door, grab a pickle or something to drink, (laughs) ice cream. And then I got to have milk on ice cream. (laughs) What flavor? Oh God, it doesn't even matter to me. I, I, I just love ice cream.
2: So what are you what are your concerns? Thank you I mean I, when, when we asked you what's happening tomorrow, I could see your face got really excited, but I can also see there's a part of you that's wearing something heavy
5: because I don't know what I'm going to do
2: When we spoke with Ronnie, he was finishing up a three-year sentence. But this was his sixth time being locked up.
3: The longest Ronnie has ever stayed out of prison has been two years.
2: How old were you the first time you came to prison?
5: Uh, 22.
2: And how old are you now? Uh, I'm 50. So I'm going to just ask you a blatant question. Why do you keep coming back to prison?
5: Drugs. Every time I get out of prison... I go right back to selling drugs and using drugs.
2: And what's your drug of choice?
5: Methamphetamine.
2: So, where are you with your addiction right now?
5: I don't know. You don't know, yeah. I want to say uh, it's behind me, but it's not. It's, I mean, it's right in my face. How long have you been clean? Oh, honestly, a couple months.
2: So, clearly, Ronnie was using inside.
3: The meth really had a hold on him.
5: And I hate it. I, I hate Crystal. I hate the people that comes along with Crystal. They're untrustworthy. <laughs> and that's crazy because those are the people I've surrounded myself with all my life. But I can't stand them. And, and I used to always think, man, I'm not a bad person. But in reality, I, I, I wouldn't want me running around my neighborhood. I've gotten out of prison and told people in my town out of respect, please don't sell none of that shit to my kid. And them tell me, oh, yeah, don't, don't worry, I won't. And then I find out they still are. But I was doing the same thing. But I never stopped and thought of that until I got out of prison and saw my own son using, and him on dialysis, so drugs were killing him. And then I said I would never sell drugs again. And then I got out last time and was living in my daughter's home and not working and feeling about that big because my daughter's supporting me instead of going out and getting a job, I started selling drugs again and thought everything was good, but I just compounded things and made them a 100 times worse.
2: Ronnie's son and daughter are deceased. They both had a rare genetic disorder, cystinosis. And in the case of his son, drugs may have hastened his death.
3: Ronnie's mom lives in Alabama.
2: And he has a grandson too. It's his daughter's son.
3: And after years of going back and forth to prison, his family dynamics are all messed up.
5: I, I don't know where I'm gonna go. Uh, I mean, I may have to go check into a drug program because I, because I literally have no place to go. And I don't know, because I've spent so much time in prison. Um, you get out there and, and everything is like overwhelming.
6: The prison is right there to my right, and I'm looking down at the water. Uh, A few seagulls in the water flying around. uh, It's coming up, and it got like a little itty-bitty wave that'll come up. Watch this. You probably hear it like, let's see, right now. Watch this.
2: Oh, that sounded so nice. Hey, E. What up, Naj. Nice. So you went to the gates of San Quentin to meet Ronnie and Cuddy.
7: Okay, here you come.
6: Yep, and I was there waiting on Cuddy, along with his wife, Lisa, mm-hmm. and a former friend of San Quentin and a former friend of Ear Hustle, yep. Jason Jones. LB. Which is Cuddy's partner.
5: Here you come.
0: I told you.
6: Most guys come out with boxes, appliances, and all kind of shit. Not Cuddy.
1: I travel light. I
6: travel light. Lisa jumped into his arms. Jason gave him a big hug. Mm -hmm. And then he came and hollered at me. What's up,
1: dog? What's up with you, sir? How you doing? Oh, man, you look good, man. Hey, man, out here just having
6: fun, man. Oh, man. You you know know, I have to know what he was wearing. So, (laughs) Cuddy had on a navy blue sweatsuit and some black Nike Air Max 95s. Mm. I wouldn't have knew that unless he told me. What did that feel like when you put them on? Oh, man. I was back. I was back. And then all I can do is dust
1: myself off.
6: And, and it a different feeling than the khaki yeah. prison the, shit? The,
1: them them uh, pajamas they give us in there? Yeah. For sure, for sure. The cotton was soft. The, <laughs> I felt
6: everything. Shoes right. oh, yeah. felt good. Socks. Oh, yeah, it's good. How you feel right now, man? I'm ecstatic. I can't even. <laughs> that was kind of low. He's like, I'm a static. Because
1: yeah, I'm, gonna... I'm trying to control it. Like, I feel like
6: jumping and running down the, st- down
1: the
0: thing hey, right now. Hey,
1: hey, st- stay in your head.
0: He's going
6: to do some sprints?
0: They
1: don't know. I'm telling you, gonna tell you I run sprints? back and forth right now. But it's like, I'm just trying to control it.
6: All right, man. You know, Nye, mm-hmm. there was one more box he had to check. What was that? He and his wife had to hurry up over to Oakland mm-hmm. to check in with his parole officer by 10 a.m.
2: Man, so no waffles?
6: No waffles. Mm-hmm. He had to meet his parole officer and sign his conditions of parole. Mm-hmm. So I caught up with him in the parking lot just as he was walking out.
1: Conditions is victims, association, in court and court imposed.
6: I got him to read the conditions of his parole. Wait, explain that. It's the things that he can do while he's on parole and the things that he can't do.
1: Letters, anything. And the third is the association with my crime partners.
6: That's it. That's it. You know one thing that wasn't on his conditions of parole? What's that? Fire, drove, trees, edibles, hmm. peva. <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
6: Cuddy's crime had nothing to do with drugs, so not smoking weed was not one of his conditions of parole.
2: And also, it's perfectly legal in California.
6: Well, it is. I mean, I didn't see. All I seen was a road blunt and a lighter Mm -hmm. and his car rolling out of the parking lot with Lisa at the wheel.
2: They must have been really ready for those waffles.
6: Yep, after smoking up an appetite.
0: When we return, Ronnie steps out from behind the walls of San Quentin and into a world that he is all too familiar with. When Snap Judgment, the Ear Hustle special continues. Stay tuned. Back like to Snap Judgment, the Ear Hustle Special. Now, when last we left, Ronnie was finishing up a three-year sentence at San Quentin State Prison, and our dear friend Erlon Woods is waiting for him on the other side of the gate as Ronnie takes his first steps back into the free world.
7: I was just wondering, you going to swing way back?
6: How you doing, man? Okay. Good, you? I'm chilling, man. I'm kicking I got back. You.
0: How you feel?
5: I got
0: you.
6: Wonderful. What are you noticing out here? No cops. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and a crow. Yeah, freedom. <laughs> yeah, real job, real job. Let's go swimming. Yeah. Huh? It's water. They probably get mad though, huh? Thinking we we're trying to escape or
2: something? Okay, he sounds a lot better than when we talked to him inside.
6: Well, it's finally real when you step off that van. Yeah. You know, it's your first moments of freedom. And his friend Tammy was there to meet him, to take him back to Stockton, where he's from. Okay. But first, we went to get something to eat. Of course. Then Ronnie wanted to go sell some flowers. The roses.
2: So in San Quentin, tons of guys do these really beautiful, crafty projects. And Ronnie made these roses out of soap shavings. And they're actually really colorful and beautiful. And smell good. And it smelled good because he either put perfume on them or he, he used, used scented soap. He used scented soap. Yeah, scented yeah. soap.
6: And someone in San Quentin had told him he can go to Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco and sell it.
5: Excuse me. You buy your lady a rose?
6: He was carrying a bunch of roses in a cardboard box, and he was wearing the khakis, button-down shirt, and sweatshirt his friend Tammy had sent him to wear his first day out.
2: That sounds professional.
6: And Nige, I, I got to say, he looks a lot like a certain fictional TV character. Mm-hmm. Who also has a history with methamphetamine?
2: Walter White from Breaking Bad. Yeah, and e the resemblance is uncanny. And if you know the show, it's something you cannot help but notice about him.
6: And he doesn't seem to mind either. Mm-mm. I mean, he even got a big ass picture of Walter White pasted on a notebook
5: that he carries around. He does. Excuse me, are you guys from here? Hi, how are you? Oh, that's it. You don't want to talk. All right. I don't know what to say to these people. <laughs> I'm getting nervous.
6: After getting shot down at least six times, Ronnie approached a young couple.
5: He was a little rusty. Excuse me, you have a minute? Where are you from? Are you from here?
6: No. Where are you from? Mexico.
5: So, have you heard of San Quentin? San what? San Quentin? The state prison? No. No? So, look, I, I, I make these out of soap, right? And this, this right here is the, they run a newspaper inside the prison. And so I rolled up the the newspapers and had made stems out of them. Are you interested in a rose for your lady? How much is a rose?
2: $20. What? <laughs> 20 bucks?
6: Hey, look, he was thinking he was selling them for too cheap. Oh, boy. Because yeah. he said, hey, man, it's too much work for just 20 bucks."
2: I know, I hear that, but... Asking for 20 bucks on the streets a lot. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
6: Thank you. Have a good day.
5: Thank you.
6: So let's talk about that. Your first deal of your freedom got you a $20 bill. Yeah. You made some couple happy.
5: Right? Yeah. Some couple from Mexico. From Mexico. You guys want to go?
6: And that was it. One sale and Ronnie was ready to move on.
5: This is my phone number. You can call me. I'm out of prison, so call me. Okay, bye. I love you. Bye.
6: We drove him to a hotel where he was going to meet his friend, Tammy. And he started thinking aloud about who
5: in his past he wanted to reconnect with. I really want to see the mother of my kids and my grandson. I haven't been with the mother of my kids in a long time. like, since my daughter was born and my my daughter was 28 when she passed away.
6: We dropped Ronnie in Richmond with Tammy, and she drove him to Stockton that same day.
3: Please leave your message for... Five, and then nine, I lost contact one, four, for two weeks. Mm.
6: Hey, what's up, Ronnie? This is Erline Woods. Um, Finally, we got a text from her that said... I just want to let you know that I apologize for the way I acted.
2: So, what was he sorry for, actually?
6: Shit, he ghosted on us. Uh, yeah. (laughs) He stopped calling. Anyhow, I drove to Stockton to see him. I met him at the bus station. It was windy, so we sat in the car and talked, and we got right to it. So, since the time we left you, what have you been going through?
5: Uh, well, I've already been using Look, I'm at the at the bus station. Mm-hmm. And some dude comes up and and he's going, "Hey Ronnie, hey Ronnie." And I don't even know the dude, right? And he knew your name and shit. Yeah. Cuz I used to sell him shit, right? Oh yeah, okay. And there it went. And uh Yeah, I mean Yeah, it was all bad. Mm. Do it make you feel better? No, absolutely not. It makes me feel worse. As soon as I got high, I... I don't even want to be around nobody because I certainly don't want people knowing. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, fuck, that's what's kept me in prison all my life, man, is drugs. I hate it, bro. I mean, I, I'm, I'm... I'm sleeping on the streets. One night I slept I, I went check this out. One night I went into the police department to their lobby curled my ass up on the floor and went to sleep.
6: Well, it was it, it was the safest spot, huh?
5: Right. <laughs> it, nobody nobody gave me nobody bothered me, but uh it, at Target in Manteca, they they got them big huge ass dumpsters. that's where i slept the other night was it cold or something and it was like man that's the best spot well it was i mean because there was a bunch of cardboard in there you know what i mean so it was the cleanest spot probably (laughs) i don't know man i don't understand why they don't just put me in a program man put me in a program
2: Erlon, can you explain why Ronnie is not in a program? I mean, if anyone should be in a substance abuse program, it's Ronnie.
6: So it's complicated. Ronnie is on probation and not parole. Right. So most people that get out on parole, you have to have your plans lined up for what you're going to do, where you're going to live, where you're going to work. If you have to go through drug treatments or alcohol treatment programs, you got to have them in place on the outside Mm -hmm. because you're going to need that. Mm -hmm. It's all sorts of things. But people on probation, like Ronnie, don't need the plans like that before they get out.
2: Okay, so Ronnie walked out of the gates with a lot less lined up.
6: Exactly. Another thing is that parole is a state program. Okay. But probation is ran by the counties. Some counties would put a lot of effort behind getting folks connected with rehab and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And for other counties, including the one Ronnie's in, that's less a priority.
2: But I heard the county actually offered him housing, so why didn't he take it? I mean, he had no place of his own.
6: At the time, he told me that he didn't want to live around other addicts. That's a trigger for him. Okay. Sometimes he stays in a hotel room Tammy pays for. Okay. But he doesn't want to break her bank, so he's been spending time on the streets. In any case, he wanted to go to Manteca, his hometown, about 20 minutes from Stockton. Mm -hmm. So I drove him, and we continued to talk. What do you feel was one of the lowest points being out here on the streets?
5: Oh, man, I don't know. Um, Just walking and and having no place to go, like... I mean, nowhere to go. Unless I want to get deep up into it again, you know? And I don't, bro.
6: And as we were driving, we passed places he knows all too well.
5: Right out here, French Camp Road, right? Uh. Uh-huh. Oh, I was out here walking. Yeah? Look, I was I was in this orchard right here, right? Uh huh. But then over here you, you got uh, a cemetery, right? Uh-huh. It's where my kids were cremated. But man, I was just walking around out here, bro. Nothing to do, nowhere to go.
6: He'd been out of prison two weeks, and freedom was taking his toll. I mean, he looked all right, but clearly he was hurting. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he wanted to show me something. Look at this. And he took off his shoes. Look at. And that's just from walking. Look at the purple. And and you showing your feet, and that's just from walking. Yeah. Hmm.
2: You know, Erlon, hearing that makes me think about something I asked Ronnie the day before he left San Quentin. i got to ask you a really hard question. I'm okay. sorry. Are you better off staying in prison than getting out? No. Can you talk about that?
5: Ooh, oui. wait. God, I don't even like that. Uh...
2: And I'm, not, I'm not judging you, and I'm not all saying that, that's, that you should stay in prison, but in prison, you have food, you have a place to sleep, you have the possibility of programs. So that's why I'm asking you, are you better off in prison where you have all of these things, or is prison so horrible, doesn't matter, I want to be outside?
5: Prison is horrible.
2: There's no part of you that would stay here?
5: No, absolutely not. No. I I, I hate it here.
2: Erlon, what about Cuddy? How's he doing?
6: Cuddy is doing good. A few days after his release, his mom's had a party for him. He'd been nervous the whole time about being around so many people. But as soon as that day came, he was out there getting his groove on.
1: I'm, I'm up. Everybody dancing. Oh, man, it feels good. I'm just feeling the energy and the love. It's, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. That's
6: who I
2: am. <laughs> nice.
6: He and his wife are cool. Mm-hmm. He's been reconnecting with his son playing basketball. Oh, that's great. He's also got a job working in HVAC. Mm-hmm. And like he said he would back when he was in San Quentin, he managed to get into the studio and lay some tracks down. You hear me?
1: Ha! Huh? Court buildings. This forsaken to me Devil been racing for me Patience is a virtue But they never had patience for me Niggas wish you well But it's not what they make it to be Lost it if I blessed and blessed they couldn't take him from thee
2: That's real life So E, we've heard about the first few weeks Of two very different guys just out of prison Right And I know it's just two guys But what do you think it says about life post-incarceration?
6: Well, I think it's important to plan ahead Yep I mean, some guys spend years planning for the day they get out like arranging jobs, places to live, programs to involve yourself in. Mm -hmm. And Cuddy did all that. But Ronnie didn't have a plan. He didn't seem to think too far beyond going to Fisherman Wharf and selling some flowers.
2: Yeah, he didn't have much support. He did have Tammy, but Cuddy had his mother, his wife, his friends, and he also had ambition to get his life together. And I've got to add one more important factor. Cuddy is 27. Ronnie's in his 50s.
6: Right. Cuddy... He had a place to go. Mm
2: -hmm.
6: Ronnie didn't. And if you don't have a place to live, how are you going to try to get a job?
2: I don't know. I don't know.
6: I mean, if you're not in a treatment program, how are you going to stay off drugs without any family support?
0: Big love to Cudi and to Ronnie for sharing their stories with the Ear Hustle team. Both of you gentlemen... We wish you all the best, and please believe, this story, it does not stop here. When we come back, we're going to travel back behind the walls and drop a microphone in the middle of San Quentin State Prison. On Snap Judgment, the Ear Hustle Special continues. Stay. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the Ear Hustle special. Today, we're going to shine a light on the amazing podcast Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. This show is produced in large part behind the walls of San Quentin State Prison in collaboration with people currently incarcerated there. And for our next segment, the Ear Hustle team explores explore what is called reception. This is the first place that people are sent when they enter into the prison system and anyone who's been incarcerated has spent time there. We begin with Ear Hustle co host, Rasan New York Thomas, who recounts what it was like when he first came to prison.
3: It's my first time being locked up. And somebody was just really cool, a guy took a liking to me, and he just started telling me how jail works. He said, When you go inside, don't show no fear. Do not stay in your cell. Go in your cell, put your your property down on your bed, and come right out and just go see who's on the tier and just make yourself known. If you go in your cell and hide, they're gonna think you scared. And they also told me don't accept charity in prison. Don't let nobody give you a candy bar. Don't let nobody give you anything because it's always strings attached. Yeah, will you
2: tell me that story? So, what does it mean if someone leaves a candy bar on your bunk?
3: Oh, it says up.
2: What do we explain that?
3: The theory is you're just coming to prison You don't have any property uh. If you eat the candy bar Then you owe them And you have no way to pay with money And so they expect you to pay with a sexual favor Booty bandits Let's just call them what they are Booty bandits Guys that are in there Trying to turn young, uh, naive prisoners out And make them their prison property
2: mm. yeah. So you knew that going in
3: I was scared to death That's like my worst nightmare like to be raped, or something like that. Worst night, man.
2: That so. is the voice of Rasan Thomas, AKA New York. And he's actually talking about reception there. in New York it's State, which is where out. he first went to prison.
8: When I first walked into the Carson Center, uh, San Quentin's Reception Center in Carson, the first thing that I smelled was the stench of smoke. And it was pungent, it reminded me of a forest fire. And I thought, damn, is it a fire going on around here? Because it was just smoky. And But then the other thing I noticed was that people were going about like normal business. I walked to the cell where I was. I went in and made the formal introduction to the cellmate that I had. And that was the first thing I asked him. I'm like, why is there smoke coming out of individual cells? And he said that those were individuals who like to burn wicks. And I'm like, what is a wick? And he said it was a long piece of toilet paper that was rolled up into a tight rope and hung on the wall and burned so people can have access to, light their cigarettes. And I said, okay, no wonder why the building is smoky. There's a ton of wicks being burned in the building. Another interesting thing was that I used to smell exotic foods. Hmm. I'm like, where is this food smells coming from? I'm talking about Chinese food, Mexican food, different kinds of food. We're in reception. We don't have hot pots or anything, so... Where, where is this coming from? And so Marcelli said, well, you have guys who have cafes. And so I was like, well, how are they making the food smell this good? It smells like diner food, greasy spoon food. And he say, oh, what they do is they take the cookie sheet on the bunk that we sleep on and they scrape the paint off of it. And it's actual metal, like a grill, a real thin piece of metal. Then they take this firebomb.
2: Uh, remind us what the firebomb is.
8: You take toilet paper or a sheet and you wrap either or into a cone and then take a can and you sit the cone on top of the can and it shoots a fire flame straight up like a like a Bunsen burner. And when you put it under the uh, cookie sheet, it heats the cookie sheet on the bed into a grill. So these guys are doing chop suey, putting the rice from the canteen, the noodles and the fish together with the peppers and actually making cuisines to sell and to feed their homeboys.
2: Okay, that's impressive that you can actually take that sheet of metal on your bunk and turn it into this giant frying pan.
3: Or a gangster grill.
2: (laughs) Gangster grill. Okay, so you can make this grill, and then you cook these snacks to share with your neighbors.
3: Yeah, guys in prisons are geniuses. (laughs) And the guys that have been in reception for a while, they pass on their tricks to the new guys coming in. Nice. But most guys that come through reception, they don't remember it as a place of good food or good smells. The
6: cockroaches, the heat... The sweat, noisy, smoke everywhere.
3: He couldn't sleep, couldn't rest. It was miserable. It was really miserable. So I remember... That's David Ditto. Before coming to San Quentin, he was in reception at Chino State Prison, which is right outside of Los Angeles.
2: And when he was there in 2012, there were problems with the plumbing. The toilets didn't work. So what would you do if you had to go to the bathroom? It got so bad I had to actually make a makeshift
6: toilet in the middle of my cell in the morning when my Sally was asleep and uh, use it and wrap it up and, and uh, put it out with the trash.
3: Be careful where you throw it.
2: Be careful where you throw it. He wasn't kidding.
3: Not at all. And I have a serious story about that back from when I was in reception. And it happened when I was walking in a single file line with a group of guys on our way to Chow. And we're all wearing the state green uniforms. And about maybe five guys in front of me, something comes over the tears and splashes him right in the head. And it's feces. He gets shit all over his face and his head. And the craziest thing about it is nobody laughed at him. He didn't take it like no big deal. He just wiped it off as best he can. He looked up a little bit and he just kept walking like nothing happened, straight to chow. And I was looking like, wow, like, what the hell? But the craziest part was the next day I went to chow again. And at the the breakfast table, they were talking about how the guy who threw this shit was found stabbed to death in his cell. And that's when I realized, like, they are not playing. This is real. This is prison. This is no joke. And I can live or I can die here. And it made me even more hyper-vigilant, more scared, more worried.
2: So we're talking about reception, the place where guys go when they first enter the prison system.
7: I think the thing that was most difficult for me to deal with in reception was the noise. This is Louis Brackett. He recently went through reception here at San Quentin. They're just so loud. They're talking to this guy down here and this guy over here, this guy up here, this guy over here. Like, hey, what's up, homie? Good morning. Hey, I sent mine, bro. Alright, I'll send mine right back and da and they just doing that all day. And yeah, it was just driving crazy.
3: So right now I see you have a watch on. How do you tell time and reception? Ain't no watches over there, right?
7: So yeah though, there's not
2: wait. <laughs> wait, there's no time in reception. What do you, um, wait, wait, wait! Explain that.
3: <laughs> the time the judge
7: gave you.
2: But what, yeah. are you serious <laughs> There's no challenge. clocks there?
3: There's
7: no clock.
2: Intentionally.
7: There's a clock down by the by the desk, but that's it. No, you cannot see it from your cell.
2: So in reception here at San Quentin, you don't know what time it is, it's noisy, and you can't really see who is making all of that noise.
3: Yeah. um, What's crazy is that you can hear all these guys, but you can't see them. So unless you know their voice, like, you don't know who they are. It's insane. It's really insane. And and like, if somebody curses you out, you don't know if they're big or small, if you (laughs) turn the fade down, if you take (laughs) the fade. You don't know what to do. You don't know who just cursed you out. It
2: might be better to just stay quiet in there.
3: I think that's my advice.
4: (laughs) Uh, Last time I was in reception was February of 2000, this is 19, 18, 17. Jeff
2: Atkins is a professional musician. Yeah, I lose track. He's been been in prison before, back in the 1990s. And this was his second time in reception?
3: Second, third, I'm not sure, notch, but he's definitely what I'm going to call a returning resident.
2: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so this is maybe his third time in prison?
3: Uh, At least. (laughs) I'm
2: telling you, yeah, more than three times. Lonnie just let us know it's more than three times. (laughs) So what that tells me is he really knew what to expect.
3: Yep, and that was no TVs, no radios, and very limited phone calls.
2: Apart from reading, there's no entertainment, except what guys can come up with themselves.
3: Yeah, reception's a whole lot of boring. It
2: sure sounds like that.
3: Oh, heck yeah. But Jeff says the last time he was there, there was something going on every night. Anywhere
4: from after chow, which is usually around 6.37, or after the evening meal, they kick it off. You know, some guy will start rapping, or they'll have a comedy, you know, show. They'll do skits, you know, they'll do commercials.
2: So, New York, this is what they call Showtime at the Apollo.
3: Yep, Uh, so the thing about reception, it's not really a nice place, Mm -hmm. but guys make the best of it. And Showtime got to be like the absolute best thing about it. Guys with musical talent can shine. Comedians can tell their jokes. It's like a freaking variety show.
2: But remember, you can't see who's performing.
3: Oh, yeah. You can't see anything.
2: (laughs) And Jeff took advantage of that relative anonymity.
4: So when I first got there, I figured I'd play a little trick, right? I did a um, Randy Travis song, right? And Randy Travis, of course, is a... White country and western singer, right? And yeah. How did the song go? And they're 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 politicking, the, you know. They're they're doing the prison politics in there, you know. The yeah. whites hang with the whites, the blacks hang with the blacks, you know. And so I came out with this, um, "Oh baby, I'm gonna love you forever," and I really put the twang in. And forever and ever, amen. And so all the white guys, yeah, brother, <laughs> sing, brother. And I just keep going. And I get to the chorus. I'm going to love you forever and ever and forever and ever, amen. And so they'd be like, yeah, brother, yeah. Sing another one, brother. Where are you at, brother? I'm going to send you some coffee, brother. you need anything else down there? I'm like, no, I'm cool, bro. I'm cool, right? So I do that I I think I did another uh um couple more country songs. I did um Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. I love them. Oh, I, I, I got to hear that. Oh, it was um Baby, when I met you, there was peace unknown, and I set out to get you with a fine tooth comb. I was soft inside, so we'll just get to the islands in the stream. That is what we are. I mean, the white guys were like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, brother, yeah. They, I mean, it was like a standing ovation, a thunderous get beating on the walls, and, oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> it was they were pumped. I mean, yeah, so. I knew I had him, right? So I did, um, I think it was, uh, I did Michael Jackson, you know, early Michael Jackson, um, Who's Loving You? You know, right I after go, doing... i go, like, i go. When I had you. So, you know, it was, Who's Loving You? And they were confused now. They're like, wait a minute, brother. <laughs> <laughs> what? What nationality are you, brother? the <laughs> so white jews were yelling at that oh uh, yes
5: <laughs> right but
4: before i could i i wanted to say i'm a <laughs> right <laughs> so when i told them what i was right they were like oh we're all right brother as long as we know and then now they're mad at my neighbors they're like hey hey ronnie you were
2: next to this dude, bro, and you didn't uh, tell us anything? You know, <laughs> well, oh, I'm like, position oh, to, oh, but God. anyway, yeah. Did they ever give you anything? Like, they send you? They offered, uh, absolutely. Before they found out? Th- when yeah, they thought you were and away? And even after, to oh, be honest okay. with you. Okay. I'm right. telling
4: you, music uh, mm. is so universal that it, that it was just uh, fun and games yeah. to me.
2: Most nights around 10 o'clock, the shutdown begins. And this is when the crazy, noisy day in reception comes to an end with a very specific ritual. And we heard some of that at the top of the podcast.
3: That's the Usos, the Samoan cats, doing their shutdown. Here's Lewis Brackett
7: again, remembering what it was like to lead the shutdown. I would grab the bars and, like, scream at the top of my lungs, you know, excuse me on the tier, excuse me on the tier. Just getting that out and, and really being that one voice that everybody is listening to at that
8: one time every night. First time I heard The Shutdown, I loved it.
2: This is Tala Brooks, who was in San Quentin's reception in the early 90s.
8: I love the unity. I love the respect. I love the structure. I really appreciated that. I was like, man, I don't believe I'm hearing this. They're really having a respectful ending to the night. Wow. I mean, you could hear... A pin drop. That's beautiful. That's eerie. That's power.
0: Big, big love to all the men who shared their stories of time and prison reception. Rasan New York Thomas, John Yaya Johnson, David Ditto. Jeff Atkins, Lewis Brackett, and Charles Talib Brooks. And Snappers, I urge you to go check out the amazing work the Ear Hustle team is doing and find pictures from the stories and dozens of episodes over at EarHustleSQ.com. The team has just launched their fourth season of the show, and it's packed with incredible stories from both inside and outside the prison walls Ear Hustle comes to us by way of PRX's Radiotopia and it's produced by Erlon Woods Nigel Poor Hassan New York Thomas John Yaya Johnson Pat Messini-Miller and Bruce Wallace the music for those stories was by incarcerated people inside San Quentin Antoine Williams and David Jossie sounding fantastic fellas the senior producer is Curtis Fox and the executive producer is Julie Shapiro special shout out to Lieutenant Sam Robinson, the public information officer for San Quentin. Sam, we appreciate you. Thank you to San Quentin's Warden Ron Davis. Ear Hustle, it's made possible with support from the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, working to redesign the justice system by building power and opportunity for communities impacted by incarceration. To the whole team, we're sending big love from here at SNAP, and can't wait to hear what you're doing next. We have links to all that is ear hustle on our website, Snapjudgment.org. If you missed even a moment, get the Snap Judgment Podcast wherever you get your podcast. And even though this is not the news, please write an incarcerated person. They really appreciate it. This is W.N.Y.C.